Interlude The White Iron Conjurers It is said in Camor that the difference between honest and dishonest commerce is that when an honest man or woman of business ruins someone, they don't have the courtesy to cut their throat to finish the affair. This is, in some respects, a disservice to the traders, speculators and moneylenders of Coin Kisser's Row, whose exertions over the centuries have helped to draw the Therin city-states, all of them, not merely Camor, up out of the ashes of the collapse of the Therin throne and into something resembling energetic prosperity for certain fortunate segments of the Therin population. The scale of operations on Coin Kisser's Row would set the minds of most small shopkeepers spinning, a merchant might move two stones on a counting board in Camor. Sealed documents are then dispatched to Lachain, where four galleons crewed by three hundred souls take sail for the far northern port of Emberlane, their holds laden with goods that beggar description. Hundreds of merchant caravans are embarking and arriving across the continent on any given morning, on any given day, all of them underwritten and itemized by well-dressed men and women who weave webs of commerce across thousands of miles while sipping tea in the back rooms of counting-houses. But there are also bandits, warned to be in places at certain times, to ensure that a caravan flying a certain merchant's colors will vanish between destinations. There are whispered conversations, recorded in no formal minutes, and money that changes hands with no formal entry in any ledger. There are assassins and black alchemy, and quiet arrangements made with gangs. There is usury and fraud and insider speculation. There are hundreds of financial practices so clever and so arcane that they do not yet have common names. Manipulations of coin and paper that would have bonds magi bowing at the waist in recognition of their devious subtlety. Trade is all of these things, and in Camor, when one speaks of business practices fair or foul, when one speaks of commerce on the grandest scale, one name leaps to mind above and before all others, the Maraggio. Giancana Maraggio is the seventh in his line. His family has owned and operated its counting-house for nearly two and a half centuries. But in a sense the first name isn't important. It is always simply the Moraggio at Moraggio's. The Moraggio has become an office. The Moraggio family made its original fortune from the sudden death of the popular Duke Stravoli of Camor, who died of an ague while on a state visit to Talverar. Nicola Moraggio, trader captain of a relatively fast brig, outraced all other news of the Duke's death back to Camor, where she expended every last half-copper at her command to purchase and control the city's full stock of black mourning crepe. When this was resold at extortionate prices so the state funeral could take place in proper dignity, she sank some of the profits into a small coffee-house on the canal-side avenue that would eventually be called, thanks largely to her family, Coin Kisser's Row. As though it were an outward manifestation of the family's ambitions, the building has never remained one size for very long. It expands suddenly at irregular intervals, consuming nearby structures, adding lodges and stories and galleries, spreading its walls like a baby bird, slowly pushing its unhatched rivals from the nest. The early Maraggios made their names as active traders and speculators. They were men and women who loudly proclaimed their ability to squeeze more profit from investors' funds than any of their rivals could. The third Miraggio of note 
Ostavo Maraggio, famously sent out a gaily decorated boat each morning to throw fifty gold tarins into the deepest part of Camor Bay. He did this every day without fail for a complete year. I can do this and still have more fresh profit at the end of any given day than any one of my peers, he boasted. The later Maraggios shifted the family's emphasis from investing coin to hoarding, counting, guarding, and loaning it. They were among the first to recognize the stable fortunes that could be had by becoming facilitators of commerce rather than direct participants. And so the Maraggio now sits at the heart of a centuries-old financial network that has effectively become the blood and sinews of the Therin city-states. His signature on a piece of parchment can carry as much weight as an army in the field or a squadron of warships on the seas. Not without reason, it is sometimes said that in Camor there are two dukes, Nicovante, the Duke of Glass, and Maraggio, the Duke of White Iron.